Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Danielle Fabulous, and welcome to Out of the Corner with Shane Matthews. We have got a packed show for you guys today. There's so much that we want to talk about. The first thing that I want to jump into is I am just riveted by the A&E WWE Legends biography series that they're doing. And so this past week was Rowdy Roddy Piper. And one of the reasons I really love these things, I just I love that it gives you that inside look at things that you may not have known. So, um, Shane, what did you think? Well, I think they did a really good job, you know, um, covering the hot rod. You know, he's a WWE legend, man. What do you got to say about him? Um, I think they did a good job putting focal point on his early life, transitioning to the World Wrestling Federation, um, you know, and his whole career in general. Um, You know, it started off with, you know, him having a rough childhood. Dude, that Um, was was bad. Yeah, born up in Canada, you know, freezing cold. Um, Well, you know, I just, I feel like it it was really sad to me to see that he grew up in such turmoil. I really have a place in my heart where, you know, you see young men who were treated like that. You shouldn't have to fight with your own father in your home. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. that's, that's just very sad to hear, but... Um, he didn't let that stop him. No, I mean, that definitely, I think that was the beginning of where his demons that he battled, sadly, his whole short life, because his life definitely ended before it should have. You know, he died really early. Um, but, you know, started wrestling at a very young age. 15. Yeah, 15 years old. Did, just for $25. For t- to, let me tell like, you something. I, and the, 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 the uh, clip that they showed this dude was like massive. He put him in this ring with this big ass dude. It was Larry Axe Henning. That's uh, Mr. Perfect's dad. So I mean, it was you know, when if if you're gonna start, might as well start with but somebody Jesus, like that. Jesus, yeah. he's 15. He's well, just a well, child. And he pummeled him in less than a minute, you know. But he ended up taking him on the road, and then roads lead to L.A. You know, Los Angeles, California, and that's where the Hot Rod got his major breakout in the wrestling business. Um, you know, and then. You know, he started creating his character a little bit more there and finding out who he was going to be as a superstar. Um, And then transitioned to Mid-Atlantic and started working the Southern Territories 
where he got to battle. You know, he was working with Ric Flair and got to work with oh, a lot of. Oh, you know what? You know what? That's something that really kind of struck me. So, I'm trying to think of the way to say this. Growing up in Mahia, Texas, we didn't have a whole lot of exposure as far as TV wrestling. Most of the wrestling that we saw was actual live events. Like I said, rains in the dirt on the fairgrounds. So we didn't get a whole lot of TV exposure. We, you know, we didn't have many channels. It was like there's no cable no. in Mahia, Texas. So I never really saw him like talk or interact a lot until I saw this documentary. And the first thing that struck me was like, man, he sounds a lot like Ric Flair. Well, he definitely had, he had the skills to talk on that mic. That was what, in my opinion, Rowdy Roddy Piper, besides being one of the greatest deals all time, he was one of the greatest talkers all time. Like anytime he had a microphone, that was his tool. You know, that was his weapon in the ring. You know, even more than his ring work, I would say his mic skills. Probably the greatest, in my opinion, on the mic as far as a heel of and, all time. You know, yeah. and that's I, one of the things I found really interesting was the fact that he kept a notebook and he wrote this stuff down. Oh, yeah. Studied it all the time. You know, a lot of people, once wrestling was over, they were in the bar. They were living whatever life. But Rick, I mean, Hot Rod, uh, you know, Roddy Piper, man, he was always a student of the game, you know. Yeah, he and it was it was also very interesting to see like he really went to a great length to keep his family life separate from his wrestling life. Yeah, yeah, made sure to keep his family away from the crazy business that is professional wrestling, especially back in that day. Yeah, well, I mean, like, and even him playing the <laughs> playing the bagpipes. Yeah, well, I mean, he played it, was, it, it from was, a young age, and it was cool that they were able to interpret that into his character, you know, and he found who he was in that. I mean. He wasn't even from Scotland, yet they were able to make him Rowdy Roddy Piper, like this angry bagpipe playing <laughs> heel. But, you know, at the end of the 80s, early 90s, that's when Vince, you know, went on his, you know, conquering of the... The territory. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, Vince, and I, I want to... Vince is going to be more than even one episode to talk about how great... No, he but I, I would love for you to break this down because it's, it's because wrestling was a lot different back then. Well, yeah, here's the deal is, you know, back in the 80s, wrestlers would work territories. And what they would do is they would run a circuit because a territory, and you'd have to look it up, and I can't show a map, but I can try and paint a visual. Essentially, a territory would be a couple of states, you know, sometimes just one or two. And you would work the circuit of all these major towns in the territory. And... Once your circuit was up, you would hop to another territory. That's how you stayed relevant, and you didn't want to burn out one territory with the same superstar. So all these superstars were, all these wrestlers would work a territory, run their circuit, and then hop to another territory, and they would all crisscross, okay? And we're talking like what year, what years? I would say that was in the 80s. In you the 80s know. Yeah, yeah I, you know, I would say early 80s. Even the 70s, I think it was like that. You know, this is all before my time, but from the study, and I've done – you know, Vince, you know, around the mid-80s realized that he wanted to make a promotion that was national. And what he did was he started calling the best talent from all the territories to create like an all-star team. You know, like an all-star cast of like the best wrestlers from all the territories. Put them together. So, look, he's stealing all the attention because he's got all the best wrestlers that all – you know, at one place all at the same time, right? And right. slowly started wiping out competition. And, you know, before you know it, the WWF that we see today, which is now WWE, 
excuse me, WWE. Um, it's the WWE we know today is even more than just national. It's global. You know, the WWE universe. It's I everywhere. Mean, yeah, it's everywhere. I mean, it's e- almost even bigger in some other countries than here, you know. Yeah. Um, but Vince created all that, man. And, you know, he gave Hot Rod the call, brought him up. You know, WWE back in that day was the land of giants. You know, everybody was huge. You had Hogan and Andre and all these big, larger-than-life people. Oh! Just when they think they got the answers, I change the questions. Rowdy, Roddy Piper wasn't the biggest. So him and Vince came up with the idea of let's let him host like a little talk show, Piper's Pit. <laughs> and... Yeah. Man, did did he not leave his mark there? I mean, it, it, it was the the footage was incredible. It was like, wow, man, I can't believe they used to get away with this stuff. I mean, he was like literally coming up and just beat the piss out of him. It was, well, yeah, well, it's like he if he liked you and he was trying to put you over as a heel, you know, because he was working a heel angle. Um, you know, he could make you look larger than life, but if he wanted to cut you down, he could bury you right there. Like, and he, I love he, you know, the most famous was when he. Hit um, Jimmy Superfly Snuka in the head with the coconut and <laughs> like just wiped him out, you know. But Rowdy, he was a good antagonist, you know, and he was really good. And that's where some of his best catchphrases and, you know, some of his best quotes ever came from that show. Hey, you ain't nothing. You ain't nothing. I'll tell you one thing right now. You want to fight Andre? You're going to find out one thing. You do not throw rocks at a man who's got a machine gun. Fast forward a couple of years. Um, you know, they're wanting to do the first WrestleMania. But, you know, Vince had already decided Hulk Hogan was going to be his vessel to skyrocket to the next level, okay? Yeah. Hogan beat Iron Sheik for the title. They needed somebody good for Hogan. Like, if Hogan's going to be Batman, you got to have a Joker, right? You know, you've got to have the arch. Okay, so Rowdy Roddy Piper, if it wasn't for him... I don't think the first WrestleMania may have worked. Let um, me tell you something. It it's the the what what also really surprised me was the fact the level that he was at as far as being a heel. Oh no doubt. I mean he he like he, people tried to kill him in oh, real life because uh, he was like such a such a jerk. Oh yeah, I mean look what he did to Cindy Lauper. Oh man, know, when they started doing the Rock and Wrestling Connection on MTV, and that's you know right in the eighties when Basic Cable became a thing, and Vince knew he wanted to be on that Basic Cable, and MTV was doing his thing. Yeah, he, it was crazy that, you know, Cindy Lauper did the girls just want to have fun video, and With had Captain, Captain Lou. Lou. Yeah, and then that transitioned to, you know, wrestling becoming on the pop scene. You know, and Mr. T gets involved because he has the A team going on, right? There, you know, and so they figure Mr. T Hogan versus Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and Rowdy Roddy Piper in the first ever main event of WrestleMania, Madison Square Garden. How could you not want to watch that? I mean, it was off the charts. Yeah. You know, and I'm pretty sure that was 85 was when the first WrestleMania. Yeah, because 87 was Hulk Andre. So that was three. Yeah, so it was 85 was the first WrestleMania. And, I mean, Vince gambled it all on that. And I think, you know... WrestleMania paid off, and to what it is now, the granddaddy of them all, the spectacular, and we like we covered in past episodes, man, WrestleMania is the greatest show on earth as far as entertainment wrestling goes. Um, you know, well, Rowdy Piper, you know, after that, you know. Well, he was a big part of that success. Well, yeah. Oh, he's a huge part of that success. And, you know, I he didn't want to work with Mr. T because he felt like Mr. T was yeah, getting a free ride. he didn't really pay his dues. We're not going to cover all that, but, you know, you know, 
Rowdy transitioned off. Um, you know, he had some epic matches with Bret Hart and a couple other people, you know, many of superstars, but it was mainly his mic school, you know, and he left for Hollywood, um, went and did They Live, mm-hmm. which everybody knows They Live, man. I mean, if you haven't seen They Live, find a way to watch that movie because that movie is so ahead of its time. And what was the uh, famous famous line? Uh, the famous line was, I came here to chew bubble gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. <laughs> I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. You know, and... And that was his. He came up with that. Like, that wasn't something that somebody wrote for him. No, no. Um, that was actually in his notebook yeah. that he wanted to say on wrestling. You know, he saw that Rowdy Piper had all this wonderful content in this notebook and saw that line and let him use it. Said it'd be perfect for the movie. And, you know, I still think that quote holds up today as one of the... <laughs> it's like such a, just a, a famous quote, you know, that'll live forever. Um, but, you know, Rowdy went to Hollywood because he felt like he had a rise above wrestling in case, you know, because he knew wrestling wasn't going to last forever, yeah. you know, and he ended up coming back and for some reason became a face. Um, I, I think it was just the crowd was happy to see him back. So didn't he end up going to WCW? Well, yeah, but before then, um, in 96, he, um, and it was one of my favorite matches just because it was so, such a different match. Um, WrestleMania 12, um, he fought Goldust in a Hollywood backyard parking lot brawl. And essentially, they were down to do whatever to steal the show, um, just because it was such a different match for that time, especially. Um, and, man, they fought in the parking lot. And I, I, I think Goldust hit Rowdy Piper with his car. If, if you haven't seen the match, you've got to you know go watch it. It's such a different style of match. But ultimately, he had a finish in the ring. And WrestleMania 12, you know, also was... If a lot of people are like, hmm, WrestleMania 12, that's actually the WrestleMania where the boyhood dream came true with Shawn Michaels where he beat Bret Hart, um, you know, in the Iron Man match. Uh, to, that was his first WWF title reign, um, you know. Um, so that's when Shawn Michaels' reign started was 96. Um, and to transition from that, I would say that 25 years ago this week um, was actually – WWF, World Wrestling Federation, WWE, whatever you want to call it, um, in your house, good friends, better enemies. And that was actually Shawn Michaels' first title defense after he won the title. He fought Big Daddy Cool Diesel. And the cool thing about that was is they were a tag team called Two Dudes with Attitude. But, you know, so when Diesel came in, he was kind of like Shawn Michaels' bodyguard at that time. And he ended up getting over and getting the title. Sean wanted it. They fought at WrestleMania 11, and then they were tag team again. It was always like back and forth with them two. But that match was so crazy. It was a no-holds-barred match. And, you know, around 96, I would have been hmm, like eight or nine years old. Um, That was, you know, back then I had basic cable. You couldn't order the pay-per-view. So everything I learned was what I saw on TV or it was on VHS tapes that you would buy, and it kind of showed like, matches from months years past right like 
they would do like feature VHSs on all the superstars, like Ultimate Warriors Greatest Matches or Hogan's or Macho. You know, you go, so, you can go rent them and yeah, stuff. Well, yeah, you, yeah. Oh, dude, like nothing beat going to rent a wrestling VHS at like Hollywood Video <laughs> or Blockbuster. Yeah, and so you know this. The crazy thing about that pay per view was my papa, my grandpa um, on my mom's side, they had Direct TV at their house, so he knew I loved wrestling. So if it was a pay-per-view that he heard me talking about or knew it was one of my favorites, having a big match, he would order it and tape it on VHS and give it to me. So this was actually the first like pay-per-view I saw like kind of as it was going on because I got it pretty quick, you know. Because like WrestleMania three, man, Hulk Andre, it happened in 87 before I was even born. But I remember watching that match on VHS, you know, when I was like, what, five or six or something. You know, and you still... You had to go back and watch it because you didn't understand it at that age. You just yeah. saw Hogan in this crowd going, I was hooked, you know. But that pay-per-view, it meant a lot to me because it was like the first one I got to sit down and watch. And I think what's so special about that one to me is that was like right when I started figuring out what wrestling was more than just a spectacle, I started watching the matches. So really was, understanding yeah, what like was eight going or on. Nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was hooked, man. Um, but speaking of um, the two dudes with attitude – Mm-hmm. They're doing a special on them. Oh yeah, um, on, on, uh, on WWE Untold. Yeah, on Peacock. It's going to be called WWE Untold, um, and it's going to be the story of Shawn Michaels and Big Daddy Cool Diesel, Kevin Nash, old Big Sexy, and the Heartbreak Kid. WWE Untold this Sunday. This Sunday uh, is that May second, I think. Sunday, yeah, it's the second. Yeah, the second. May second. Yeah, so um, y'all make sure to check out that documentary because that's going to be. Epic, man. I think it's going to cover a lot of cool stuff, and I'm excited to see it. So. I, I'm, I'm really excited, too, about, like, there's just so many cool things that they have to to watch right now. Um, w- one thing that I'm really stoked about, A&E is also doing, in addition to the biography series, they're doing a, a WWE's Most Wanted it's Treasures. Really cool. yeah. So check this out. I was Okay, so if this is like American Pickers meets Antiques Roadshow meets WWE. Basically, in Stamford, Connecticut, where WWE headquarters is, they have a warehouse, okay, full of stuff, full of, like, props and gear and equipment. I mean, they've got, like, they've got, isn't it the Hell in the Cell? Oh, dude, they have, like, past WrestleMania sets, uh, cages, caskets from casket A ton of caskets. Like, like so much stuff, man, because you got to think how many props and things go in. But here's, and then exactly, so here's the kicker. That collection is apparently only five percent of what the estimated amount really is to be out there between like you know people's personal collections yeah. auctions charity stuff stuff that you might have given away or thrown I mean, away even sadly yeah. i mean they're, they're telling how much like good thing you know that's just a hoarder's paradise ultimately <laughs> but of actual like stuff that like played a, a impeccable part of history. And, this, and, that, that, and that's the point, whole point of the series. Stephanie and Triple H are trying to recoup some of this kind of WWE's most wanted things. They're, they're actually going back and trying to really curate this yeah, stuff. Yeah, really to, like this. Yeah, and, and so what they're doing is they're basically taking a superstar every week, and then they're going out and they're trying to hunt stuff down. So um, last week it was Mick Foley. And who doesn't love Mick Foley? Oh, man, I mean, he's... Well, what face of him? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, but like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you, you can't. Mick Foley's a legend, man. Straight up, just the definition of a legend, man. All all different characters he was 
And for he's, him to for him to go out and chase he's after. He's such a likable guy. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I mean who? But, yeah, so Mick, Mick went around uh, chasing some of his stuff, like one of his original Cactus Jack jackets and um, just, just just different things that, that they're trying to find. And then. Yeah, what's that What's that pawn shop um, show where people, you know, take their stuff to the, what's oh, it called? Heck, like I don't remember. I know you what know, you're talking about. Okay, I think it's on History Channel. But A&E and History, I think, are on the same. Kind of on the same vibe. Yeah, I think so. And. It's funny because right when that episode aired, they did a pawn, one of those pawn... Pawn stars. Yeah, there you go, pawn stars. And somebody was bringing in a Dude Love t-shirt, um, and the guy, you know how they get somebody to like see if it's... Appraise like, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that he pulled Mick Foley in there, and it was so cool because like, Mick Foley was like, they're like, oh, but it's not the same color, and he goes, yeah, but that was the deal with tie-dye, especially in the 90s, was... None of the shirts looked the same, and that's why the shirt ended up getting discontinued, the Dude Love shirt, because they couldn't have a consistent product. Cause I don't think it would have mattered, though. I mean, people would have still... Well, uh, but here's the deal is they didn't look the same, and, you know, that by Vince's standards or whoever was in charge of the shop back then, they weren't happy with the fact that they couldn't keep a consistent, like, all of them looking the same, you know. But he brought it in, and it was autographed. But it was so cool, like, watching Foley... Um, go out and try and get his stuff and how he did the hands-on like playing with the dude's kids you know and oh like, yeah that was great i mean some of these collectors they do not want to give up their stuff no, they are like they are they, they are and who can blame them no i mean this week was uh, this week was the undertaker and he was actually looking for stuff um from not just you know his own career but also from paul bearer um and then uh kane so um, I love Paul Bearer. He's one of my favorites. Legend, one of the best he, managers. Well, one of the best characters, period. I mean, I, of course, I grew up watching him as Percy Pringle. Like, So I've, I've always been a huge Paul Bearer fan. And actually, I'll post it for you guys. I dressed up like Paul Bearer for Halloween. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it, it was epic. How, she, up, how she didn't win the contest, I don't know. I dressed up as Paul Bearer for Halloween at work. And I didn't have an urn, but I had a pumpkin. But um, that's one of the things that they were actually looking for. They were looking for um, what, what what did they call it? The uh, betrayal uh, urn. Well, it was, was the betrayal. It was the betrayal urn from when it was SummerSlam '96, the Boiler Room Brawl. You know, and Undertaker even spoke on it on his uh, Last Ride documentary. He thinks that they ended the Paul Bear Undertaker relationship too early. He thinks it had a couple more years left in the tank. Um, they had only been together. I want to say. 92 or 93 because when Undertaker first came in he had Brother Love and Billion Dollar Man and slowly transitioned to them bringing Paul Barron and um, so I think they were only together like three years and he turned on him to go with Mankind and then Vader and you know full circled back to Taker later on in the well, that was but, another part of that whole like setup. They were looking for um, Undertaker's purple yeah, purple gear. Yeah, and that he only wore it for three years, but. You know, when I was first introduced to Undertaker, and, you know, if anybody played, like, the WWE um, arcade game they used to have back in, it was the Undertaker purple gear that everybody recognized. It was the purple gloves, the purple tie, like, the purple band on the hat. And and what was really, and what, what's special about that is that one thing that Stephanie said was, like, this this really points to a very specific place in time in, in, in wrestling history, so... Yeah. It was really, really neat for them to to go look for these specific items to try to complete these collections. Yep. I thought it was really cool that they went to go visit uh, visit Kane. They were looking for one of his masks, 
Um, the original mask, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Be, I bet you I know where it is. I bet it's in the <laughs> principal's office in Lorena Middle School since about 2000. Why don't, you, <laughs> why don't you tell them about that? Well, here's the deal. Um, in middle school, I was in middle school, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, when Kane came on, I was hooked. Um, there was just something so mesmerizing by the fact that he didn't talk. Paul Bear talked for him. Then he got the voice box gimmick. And then he, you know, as the monster, it was, he was a cool character in the fact that they let him evolve, like as a superstar to where he finally lost his mask and he started talking and becoming almost like humanized, you know. But the deal with Kane was they used to sell his mask at like the events and on WWE shop. And I had one of his masks and our colors, we were the Lorena Leopards. We were red, white, and black. Those were our colors. Well, the cane mask was red and black. Well, I was wearing it anyway because, you know, me, like, I'm going to show my mask off. So I sneak <laughs> it in my bag to take to school. And I'd put it on, like, in between classes in the hallway and do <laughs> You're the cane. you such a nerd. Dude, yeah, dude, I was always the nerd. Like, I'd always had the wrestling shirt. I always had the, you know. Um, and cane, you know, he would do the head tilt. So I would stare at people in the hall, not saying anything, do the cane look. Um, well, I had a really cool coach, uh, Coach Walker, man, um, and he looked like Kurt Angle. It was the funniest thing. We all called him Kurt Angle because he looked exactly like Kurt Angle. It was so weird. And he was a big wrestling fan, too, so he'd tease me in class because, you know, I think he was like a science teacher or something, you know, because coaches have to yeah. teach here in Texas. Um so when I'd ask him, like, have I forgot my pencil? I'm like, Coach Walker, can I get a mechanical pencil? He'd be like, oh, is it okay if it ain't a Stone Cold Steve Austin pencil? <laughs> you know, so he always teased me, but low-key, like, love me. Yeah. Well, he, but low-key, he loved it because he loved wrestling, too. And um, so it was one day, it was a game day, and we had a pep rally, you know, before the game. And I asked him if I could wear my cane mask out there, the pep rally, you know, because the football players have the grand entrance, you know. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I think it'll add to it. Where you're, You know, because I was a lineman. I was a center um, on the offensive line. So he goes, it'll make you – it's intimidating, you know. So here I come walking in with the team wearing my cane mask <laughs> with my little polo, thinking I'm – Think you were but, like Billy Badass. Well, well, it's like right when I walk in, I hear Kane's music playing, like in my head, you know what I mean? Like I'm like, if I only had the pyro, you know, but – yeah, and I'll never forget, it, I don't know if it was that week, because, you know, when you're in middle school, you play your games on Thursday. Right. Because in Texas, high school football is king. Yeah. So, like, Friday Night Lights is, like, for varsity. varsity. Friday, yes, yeah. okay. So, fast forward, you know, in, every, in a small town, and you can relate. Yes. You go to the Friday night game. That's yeah. where everybody wants to go. Like That's every, where you go to see and be seen. Yes, yes, exactly. And I'll never forget, I had my cane mat. <laughs> No, I don't know if I took it with me, actually. I don't think I did. I don't think I did. But there was a kid in my grade who was teasing me about wrestling or, like, what are you going to do, pile drive me? Or, like, you know, like, basically teasing me, like, what are you going to do, go WWE on me, you know? Um, so he was teasing me, and I insulted him, and push came to shove, man, and he was like, all right, let's do it. You know, and we're out here on this field by the concession stands, and he's like, Hands is Tommy Hilfiger like <laughs> prescription glasses to like to like his friend. You like because he don't want to get his glasses broke. Yeah, right. You know Tommy not Hilfiger, the Tommy not the Tommy Hilfiger. And if y'all don't know who, if you're too old and you don't know what Tommy yeah. Hilfiger was, look the, it don't, up. Don't wait, you, you didn't miss anything. If you if you didn't have Tommy Hilfiger in the '90s, then I don't know who you were. Yeah. You know what I mean? Were you even, were you even born? Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't you, know. you weren't allowed out of the house <laughs> if you didn't have something Tommy Hilfiger. Um, 
So anyway, he comes at me, and I end up choke slamming him. It was like a one and done fight, man, because he tried to come at me, and I was able to. And this is before WWE pushed the "Don't try this at home," so don't people don't get mad at me. But I was not a trained worker at twelve or thirteen. But so I'm <laughs> but sure. That I'm sure well, I'm sure my choke slam was subpar at best. <laughs> You know, besides the, 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 the Trampoline Wrestling Federation, you know, we grew up with trampolines in our yard. That's what we did was we had wrestling tournaments. So, you know, I pick him up. I choke slam him. And it just so happened to be, like, next to an ant pile. So he's got ants all over him. He bounces off that ground like, 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 a, yeah, like a basketball man and takes off running. And it was so epic because everybody was just like – it was like – you didn't want to lose a fight back then, let alone get choke slammed in the ant. So, you no. know, but yeah, I think they're doing such a good job with that show on the scavenger hunt, looking for the collectibles. Oh, you know what else? I'm going to tell you right now. When they showed that the Undertaker actually had some of the stuff in his warehouse just oh, sitting here. Dude, the Phantom and then, Mask. And then, but hold on a second. When they, when they pulled it out, and it is like the little piano version of oh, the okay. Undertaker song. Oh, the strip down. I, I knew you. I, I just knew when you saw that you were like, you were like over it, dude. Oh, it's hands and feet. Well, that's the deal is I think they originally used that stripped down version for, it was either one of his tribute videos on him going out or on that um, last ride. But yeah, it's so cool. And, you know, I don't know if that's something Jim Johnson did before he was released, which if y'all don't know who Jim Johnson was, he was the guy who created all the entrance songs, all the legendary entrance songs. So, yeah, it was a beautiful thing. And I think it's a cool show, them looking for these collectibles. And what's really cool is that they're um, – I listened to Triple H. He was on a podcast. I want to say it was Cheap Heat with Peter Rosenberg. And Peter asked him – and don't get me – don't don't don't, don't hold that – Yeah, don't quote me. But I, Peter I essentially asked him – with this show, are they getting these things so that we can one day have an actual physical WWE Hall of Fame where the people can go visit? Because, you know, right now, nobody's allowed in that warehouse. No. So the only way you can see the stuff is what they choose to select to bring to Access, which Access is part of the spectacular known as WrestleMania week when they do the Hall of Fame, they do NXT, they mm-hmm. do WWE, the Raw Laughter Mania. You know, when they... so. The only way you get to see just a piece, a small taste of that is access. So, you know, he basically asked him, are y'all going to open that up? And he said, I would love to do it, but I want to do it right. We want to do it right so that it's not a place where you just come see it and you see it once and you're like, okay, I saw a bunch of old gear. He said they want to make it unlike anything else. So I'm really excited to see, yeah, like maybe a place where live matches can happen with developmental, um, you know, Q&As with legends, autograph signings. So... I'm really interested to see what's going to happen. I feel like this show is a transition to that. So, yeah. so if you have not checked it out, anything on A&E, definitely go look at their programming. Something for everybody, especially if you're a history nerd like me, that really that kind of ties in wrestling and history for me. And we're going to take a short break and listen to a few messages. Hello, we are What's Your Excuse? Podcast. Exactly. That's I'm right. Caitlin. I am Megan. And we are here to talk to you about all of your things that you want to shit talk about. That's right. Is your life going poorly? Check. Are you curious about diseases that are running rampant? Check. Check. Do you want to know all the places I have had sex in this world? Check. Check. <laughs> you can find that all right here on What's Your Excuse Podcast. 
uh, at Rogue Media Network. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and Google. Yes, that's right. And give us a follow. <laughs> What's your excuse? And welcome back to Out of the Corner with Shane Matthews. I'm Shane Matthews, and if y'all been listening to the show, um, every week I'm talking about I have a different spirit um, just because I'm a scotch, whiskey, bourbon connoisseur, um, and I have a different spirit for every show, and I'm trying to have a different one for every show. And uh, this week I have a Japanese peated pure single malt that I found down at Total Wine and Liquors down in Austin, Texas. Um, and it's unlike anything I've ever had. And I may butcher the name because I don't know Japanese names and I tried to look it up. But uh, I think it's called Monshu or Monsho. Monsho. Um, but yeah, essentially um, it had just been released. I don't know how long it's been out. I'm sure it all goes by region. But here in Texas at that Total Wine, they said they had just got it in. But it's a very unique, um, very unique spirit, man. Um, Japanese whiskey is the closest to Scotch whiskey, and I think if you're a fan of uh, single malts, it's worth trying. Yeah, it's it's delicious. Let me just say it's delicious. Um, But one of the things I I wanted, okay, so you know, in WWE, I was always a fan of Big Cass. Yeah, you know, he was like one of my favorite. I can't say Enzo's name anymore. One of those. (laughs) <laughs> but um, no, Big Cass actually um, Impact. What was the Impact Rebellion? Well, yeah, they Impact just had um, one of their a major um, pay per view, if you will. I don't. I think it was they have their own um, kind of like WWE yeah. Network. I forget what it's called, but um, they had a pay per view last Sunday. It was called Impact Rebellion, and the artist formerly known as Big Cass. Now W. Morrissey. Yes. Um, he looks good. They put uh, uh, Eric, um, he put him in the, um, replaced him because he was injured. And he used to be in WWE too. Um, so it was really cool to see him come back. And he dominated that match, uh, man. You know what? I um, wish I could have said, I did, didn't get to see a lot of it, unfortunately, since I don't have, uh, I don't actually subscribe to Impact. But the clips that I watched were freaking great. I mean, he looks so good. He, he did it. If, if it if it wasn't for his size, if you didn't like if you didn't know him before, you wouldn't even know that's the same person. I don't think. Like he looked really good to me. Yeah, huge transition. What's cool is he's actually working with a uh, independent promotion here in Texas called SWE too. Um, oh, cool. That has Mark Henry and Teddy Long. Um, they brought Gang Grill back. Um, SWE is doing big things, and hopefully Shane Matthews will be involved with SWE here in the near future. So what else happened on Rebellion? There was a... Um, they had the title for title match. So it was Kenny Omega, who's the AEW World Heavyweight Champion, versus Rich Swan, um, who's the Impact Champion, and they went ahead and did title for title. And Kenny Omega, man, the, the belt collector himself, came out on top. And it was a epic match, man. It lived up to the hype. Um, and as far as W. Morrissey goes, too, I want to before I before I keep going, I do uh-huh. want to speak that W. Morrissey. Here's the deal: when he was big cast, he was injury prone. They always wanted to build him up. They had him turn on, you know, his former partner. I won't speak of, <laughs> just because I don't know if I'm allowed to. Um, and. Well, he's not Voldemort. Well, okay. Well, then, all right. So, him and Enzo. Everybody knows Big Cass and Enzo. Okay, so he turned on him. Big Cass always got hurt when it was time for his push. So, I'm really curious to see, will he hold up? And what will Impact do with him? Because that's going to make or break. 
because let's face the fact, man, this is his second, like, this is his, cha- you know. I'm, I'm excited he's back. I'm, yeah. I'm really hoping to see great things yeah. with him. And, you know, this pay-per-view from start to finish, um, lots of epic matches, man. Uh, most of the matches, in my opinion, lived up to the hype. Um, you know, they tried to build this thing as a really big pay-per-view, and I was I was really impressed with the matches I've seen. Um, Kenny Omega came out on top, the belt collector, so now he's AEW and Impact Champion. Um, and another match that stood out to me was Matt Cardona versus Brian Myers. So that's the artist formerly known as Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins. And if you're a WWE fan, you probably remember Long Island IC, Mr. Woo Woo Woo, <laughs> Zack Ryder, man. Um, and if you even can go back far enough, they were the Edgeheads, so Edge used them a lot. So to see them finally get a spotlight main, you know, like focal point to prove that they could wrestle on that caliber of a match, I think they came through, and I think they delivered pretty well. I mean, it was an all-out brawl. I like how they did it basically anything goes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a beautiful match. And overall, it was a pretty good pay-per-view. Um, I was definitely excited to see it. Yeah, and, um, you know, one thing that stood out to me this week is about Daniel Bryan putting his SmackDown career on the line. Give me your thoughts on that real quick. Yeah, this Friday on SmackDown, you know, Daniel Bryan finds himself in the title match picture again. And Roman said, you can have the title match, but you're putting your SmackDown career on the line. And here's the deal about Daniel Bryan. His contract with WWE is almost up. He has spoke to somebody outside the WWE picture and saying that he would love an open contract if possible to where he could work with promotions outside of WWE and essentially just be a wrestler and work with multi promotions. So I'm really curious to see if that's what this is going to transition to or maybe, or if Mr. Yes, yes, yes is finally going to reclaim the title, you know? Um, And that's, you know, and it's it's, seriously, that's going down Friday. Yep. Um, really quickly, so again, you know, we want to make sure that you have every opportunity, you know about these things going on locally. Um, we will be in Victoria Saturday. For the Cinco de Mayo Festival, um, it's uh, a luchador promotion down there. This is their debut show, but they're partnering with AWP, Atlas Wrestling Promotion, to put on a wrestling show at a Cinco de Mayo Festival in downtown Victoria for the people, you yeah, know, it's and, the, it's, and it's free to attend. So, um, yeah, um, uh, doors open at two shows at three, make sure that you, if you're, Hey, if you're around, go grab it. Free and, I'll show. Be, and I'll be refereeing in, in Victoria, Texas, man, the home of stone cold, Steve Austin, making my debut down there. <laughs> and then we're turning right back around Sunday. Yep. We're going to be at the backyard, rock the ring. Um, show starts at six 30. You do need tickets. So make sure that you grab yeah, them. Yeah. It's $10 a person. I think 12 or 15 at the door. And, from what I've heard uh, from the promoter is uh, tickets are selling fast. So yeah. if you want to get a hold of that, we're going to have lots of local musicians, rock and rap artists, as well as a wrestling show. Wrestling show is probably going to be around 6.30 is when we're going to kick yeah, it off. Yeah. And it should end, I think, around 8.30 or 9. So, yeah, so a good, good little activity Sunday for the kiddos. Yeah, so if you're in Texas, Central Texas area, if you're down in South Texas, um, Come check out some live Texas independent wrestling, man. Support indie wrestling. Yes, and if you would support our podcast, we would yes. definitely love it. Give us some downloads. Give us some likes. Make sure you subscribe and follow. Give us um, a review. Five-star review. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at Out of the Corner Podcast, uh, Facebook Out of the Corner, and then, of course, you can follow uh, Shane at Shane Matthews Ref and me, Danielle Fabulous, with a PH, 
OOTC. Um, but that's that's all I got. Yeah, but, and we're on all. Um, oh yeah, all all platforms. All, all platforms now. Wherever you get your podcast. We're on any, so wherever you can get your podcast, wherever you get your music from, uh, Apple Podcast, Google, all of it. So please, please make sure to support us on this journey. Please follow along with me on this journey through the crazy life and business of uh, professional wrestling. And until next time, that's it. Ring the bell. has been a Rogue Media Podcast.